Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Imagine his head. Over let's do, uh, <laughs> let's, can we do a hospitalized next? Sure, yeah. Air blues. Air blues, you got it. It makes perfect sense that a punk band could be born within the walls of a mental health clinic. When Patty Farr started working as a psychotherapist in Eugene, Oregon, he wasn't surprised to find out that some of his patients were punks. With the support of his clinic, Patty helped interested patients write punk songs, which would soon rattle the clinic's walls. Protest songs like Hospitalized and Four Point Restraints were a way of processing traumatic memories of being a patient in the mental health system. They also addressed what Patty refers to as psychiatric violence. In a system that aims to individualize patients as just another case, therapeutic measures like support groups form community. If that support group happens to encourage banging on instruments and screaming truth to power, even better. My name is Patty Farr. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, um, where I work now as a psychotherapist. Back in the 90s, punk was really huge in Eugene. There was a couple of really big events that happened here. Resist and Exist was like a giant international punk gathering. There was also Asylum, which happened a couple of years in a row, which was a big punk gathering out in the woods. Earth First was based here when I was growing up, and there was a lot of forest activism. There's also a long history of anarchism in Eugene. When I was growing up, there was a sort of famous punk rock club, Icky's Tea House. I started hanging out as, at, as a young teenager. Got to see a lot of really amazing bands that came through. I became really involved in anarchist activism as a youth. Eugene Anarchist kind of became infamous for a while, at least. I've been in several different punk bands over the years. I spent a lot of my youth playing music, traveling around to different gatherings and protests. I was homeless for a lot of the period between 15 and 23. And it was really like one of the greatest times of my life. I learned so much. I met amazing people who are still friends today. I got to play with all kinds of groups. I played with DOA and Didi Ramon. But also at the same time, punk rock, as amazing as it is, is also kind of surrounded by a lot of trauma, 
a lot of my friends overdosed. A number of people have been murdered in my life. A number of people commit suicide. A lot of us get drawn into, I think, working in mental health because it helps us think about ourselves. What is the Lane County Behavioral Health Clinic? What is it all about and how did you end up there? It's um, a government-operated clinic that serves people with serious and persistent mental illness. I'd lived in Arizona for about a decade. I was working in this LGBTQ anti-violence project, and I went to school and ended up getting a master's in social work. And I decided to move back to my hometown after a decade. And this was one of the places that I applied to, and I ended up here. A really weird thing, maybe other punks who've been in mental health know this, is that a lot of people who I grew up with were either working here or were patients here. I found pretty quickly some people who I'd known for a long time. We started talking about music and talking about maybe getting together and starting a band at the clinic. Nothing like this had ever happened. Yeah, you had this idea to do this study where basically you created a punk band and then sort of looked at the results of how writing those songs and playing those songs affected people's mental health. Yeah, I found some people who were patients and I convinced our administration for me to start this group, that a psychotherapy group. But in the group, what we do is we write punk songs about mental health and then play them. We have about a dozen original songs, and then we play some covers. A lot of our songs are about psychiatric violence, and uh, people with serious and persistent mental illnesses are oftentimes put in these institutional situations, are forced to take medications, are secluded and restrained. Uh, a lot of our songs are about that. So was it hard to find people to be part of this, or were you drawing on folks you already knew? Were some people pretty skeptical about it, or were they stoked? Or, Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I started it with these two guys. They were both people who'd been in the punk scene in Eugene for a long time, both patients. And they were excited to be playing music. One of them had been in a whole lot of bands over the years. And another one had been in a couple of bands. The drummer... We'd been playing music together, actually, for about 25 years. When you came in to work at the clinic, did you sort of happen upon them, or did you know they were here already? And did that kind of create the seed of wanting to start this band? Yeah. So I wrote this paper about the band, and the paper was kind of like after the fact. I wanted to like find ways to organize. Punk rock, in a lot of ways, is a way to organize people. At least in my youth, it was a way that like we could all band together around things. We could spread information, we could teach each other, and we could make something beautiful. I wanted to be able to bring that to, to the clinic. I can visualize you having a space set aside where you're writing these songs and they each have a chance to write some lyrics and you've got these people that you knew before who are there too to sort of guide the process. What was that like, seeing that whole thing take flight? It's been amazing to be able to be doing this and um, to be able to like play music every single week with these people who are really talented. Another piece of this is Eugene is the home of mind freedom. There's a long history of 
anti-psychiatry activism out of Eugene. The band really like intersects with this a lot. Part of the draw to talking about psychiatric violence is that like there's already this discourse happening about psychiatric violence in this area. How would you define psychiatric violence? It's coercion, forced treatment, and establishing uh, like power imbalances so that people don't have a way to control their own lives. A lot of people in my support group that I facilitate talk about how going in and being certified, which is what it's called in Canada, I'm not sure what it's called in the States, actually traumatizes them to a point where when they come back out, A, they don't want to go back in, so they'll do anything they can to not go back in, and therefore not really addressing some of their issues that way, but also coming out and just being so traumatized, once again, that it can create even further problems with their mental health. Yeah. Psychiatry itself can be traumatic. We use this term. It's a legal term, and it's I don't like the term serious and persistent mental illness. All it is is like a designation, a stamp that they put on somebody. In a lot of ways, I kind of see it as disabling itself. Yeah, I totally agree. In the Scream Therapy book, I make a point of not using any pathologized language. So instead of bipolar disorder, for instance, I'll say a person with bipolar, bipolar as its own condition. It's just language, and some people say it's semantics, but it actually does create, like you said, a traumatization in itself to be constantly told that you're ill or sick or disordered or diseased. It's a shift in consciousness, I think, that a lot of the organizations like you're talking about, the Mind Freedom, really are aware of, and I think it's great. It's a good step towards treating people as people instead of cases. Yeah. It's like a mark. It's like a red letter that somebody gets has to wear. Did you get a lot of side-eye from your colleagues in the clinic when you started this idea of playing loud punk rock within its walls? I think people were a little bit weirded out at first. And then people started thinking it was cool that there's this group that patients are able to like show their talents and be able to like come together and make all of this. But then there was this level where what it was about was still not really looked at. This group is like a protest group. Punk rock is, in a lot of ways, is like a protest. In its early formations, right, a lot of the music, it was really raw and about life experiences, a lot about trauma, about drugs, a lot also about psychiatric institutionalization. I think a lot of the early Ramones lyrics are sort of like looked over and forgotten about, like it's just a joke. But like those guys like really were locked up. suicidal tendencies institutionalized I always thought was Mike Muir being all like dangerous and edgy and in fact looking back at that song now and understanding exactly what it means and you know how important it was to him to have that outlet in punk rock to talk about what happened to him when he was a youth Oh! No. 
being a protest as well, through the music, it provides the space where we can try to eliminate power imbalances. The music itself, it's not possible without like all of these different pieces working together. And as we're writing our music, we're writing it collectively. I read the paper and it was quite in-depth about how it all worked and how the lyrics came together and even said something that I laughed at where you said, I used the the chord progression of Straight Edge by Minor Threat. (laughs) 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 So we got two different forms of writing. So one is that we come together in like a process group and we come with a topic, either be about hospitalization. We have one song, Hospitalized. Um, We had another process group about suicide and institutionalization. We talked another time about people who get killed as pedestrians. As we're going through these process groups, I'm taking these notes, quotations of what people say in the group, and I take it all down, all these different phrases. Then after the group, we look at it and we try to put it into like a couple of verses and a chorus. And oftentimes it doesn't rhyme. It's not really a poem, but, but if you if you kind of scream it in a rhythm, it turns into a song. The other way that we've done it, people will come to the group and they'll tell us a story that they've had, something that's happened to them. One example is somebody came in and we were talking about psychiatric restraints, physical restraints, and they gave us a story about when they were put in restraints. And I asked if they would write a song about it. They went and brought a song the next week, which became our song, Four Point Restraints. Just recently, we've got a couple of new singers who've been coming, and they've been working together on writing songs. They're prolific writers, which is nice. They've been writing a new song about the Oregon State Hospital, another one about the Psychiatric Security Review Board, which is kind of like probation for people with mental health difficulties, a couple of other songs. When you were coming up through your education, you mentioned having a master's, you're obviously rooted in anarchism and punk rock, but when you were in your studies, did you find that you were kind of a black sheep? We did have our own little group of people who were very politically minded, who came into social work with the intention of shaking things up. But at the same time, also, there's this large group of people who are going through social work school to become investigators for the state or prison guards for the state or other types of psychiatric operators to like maintain social control. In a lot of ways, social work itself is this tool of social control. Yeah. A lot of the folks that have written songs for the band have talked about these issues in the songs, and it becomes a recurring theme, looking back at experiences they've had in hospital, being, like you said, restrained, and and the trauma that goes on inside those walls. Obviously, there's a therapeutic value to getting up there and screaming a song that you've written with a bunch of people that are making noise as well. What have you seen those effects? Have you seen tangibly how that helps people? Yeah. I mean, one of the most critical things that it does is it creates this community within the clinic. Within the neoliberal clinic, 
the clinic and late capitalism, people are very much atomized. They're like made to be individuals and separated from each other. People really don't have power. They're not able to like make changes. They're not able to like make demands by creating like a medium like this. On the one level, it brings together people who are in the band who are playing music and writing. And then it starts attracting other people into the band from outside who may not play music, who may never have written a song, who are coming to write songs or coming just to like share their own experiences. The most important changes I think are social. The whole thing about disability is that disability is really like a social condition. The society we live in is disabling. Yeah. People who have what are designated serious and persistent mental illnesses, they're disabled by the way the system operates. Rather than them just being disabled. So you saw, I would imagine, some big smiles and some stoked feelings and some people that were just like so excited that they're able to create something. We know that from being in punk bands, how that feels, but how did you see it affecting people that were maybe outside the punk scene or were just curious about it? Maybe hadn't been in a screamy loud band before. Oh yeah. So all through the clinic, I think people are just, they can't believe that there's music being played and it's super loud. Like it reverberates through the whole clinic. And so people just want to like come and see what's going on. You'd also really be surprised how many people are patients in psychiatric clinics who are punks. How many people um, you may not like pin as a punk when you first see them, but when you find them within the situation, like all of a sudden, like all of this comes out about their life histories. Yeah, for sure. I've noticed that too with the book and talking to people, but I wrote a book and like, oh, I've got a friend who's a punk rocker. I should, you know, let them know about it. Or this one person came to where I work in a really fancy probably $150,000 car. And he's like, oh man, like I want to read your book. You know, he's talking about like Fugazi and it's like, <laughs> this is weird. But there's so many people that came up on that and a lot of folks stick with it. You know, like a lot of things that you get into maybe when you're younger could fall away, but something about punk rock really sticks. And it's really cool that people have that background or someone knows somebody who has that background. I'm 42. And I think a lot of people my age and older, during the 80s and 90s, people were really attracted to punk because it's like, this is where outsiders could go and they could be together with other people. They could feel like collectivity. What would you say has surprised you the most of doing this band in the clinic? So what's been most surprising to me is how the band has become this way to communicate all of these things and to make this critique of psychiatric violence seem more mainstream in the clinic to get more people all over the place to question. It seems like people can use this punk rock spirit to release these things that maybe they don't feel comfortable letting out in other aspects of life. There's lots of cursing in the songs. There's lots of attitude to them. And again, that chaotic fury of punk rock and the volume of it. I would imagine that a lot of people find a lot of solace in it as well as inspiration. Yeah, I think so. There's something about telling your story through music that it feels right. And when you know that other people are listening to it and other people are taking your story seriously, 
that validation helps a person feel like they have a community. These guys are so good, and what they've been writing has been like so powerful, and yet we've been really like bound by HIPAA because we're like within the clinic. The band I published on it, I got it all like approved by our clinic, the things that I'm talking to you about today, but that in order to like really like get the band out, we need to figure out some way to like get beyond this to be able to put our music out. I really wish that I could just like say who these guys are. <laughs> and are you able to play shows? Uh, yeah, we we actually just had a show a couple months ago. I think this was the fifth show. I know that you're a peer with these folks that play in this band. Without being hierarchical about it, you are working in their patients. Right. Theoretically, like I've been thinking through a couple of different ideas. So my own training is in like relational psychoanalysis. And I think really relationally about my work. What is most important within these kind of groups is like the relationship between people. And without like a real authentic connection, I don't really think that um, these groups can be successful. And so to like have all of this shared history, it provides us this vehicle. On the other hand, um, I do a lot of work on Deleuze and Guattari. And, uh, Guattari was also a psychoanalyst. And his work was in institutional psychotherapy, where in France, in the um, in post-World War II, they, there was this radical movement in psychiatry to have these inpatient hospitals where power relations were attempted to be neutralized. And they did this by like sharing different jobs. This was like a big part of it. So patients would be trained to do different kinds of like therapeutic activities with each other and trained to like give each other shots, even would provide therapy to nurses and therapists. So like the patients themselves would be going through like this process of learning how to live in a different world. With the punk band, I aspire to be able to do this, to be able to use the punk band as this vehicle for us to learn how to live in a different world. I'm restricted by so many barriers within psychiatry itself, but this is the goal that we're always aiming at. What's it been like for you to play in this band? It feels like, um, it's like I shouldn't be getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that I'm getting paid to be able to do this work. I love them all. I love the music that we play. And it makes me feel like I'm connected to, to a community.
That was my conversation with Patty Farr of LCBH Punk at the Lane County Behavioral Health Clinic in Eugene, Oregon. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available now. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com store. And for even more designs, check out Screen Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well. Be well.